Welcome to the Lights Out Podcast. This is Chris Lights Out Lytle, and this is our journey to document the history of mixed martial arts. I've brought with me my friend, the MMA detective Mike Davis, and together we will preserve the history and hear some great stories from the world in the era of the no holds barred. Thank you and enjoy. Welcome back to the Lights Out MMA History Podcast. I am Joey Venti. With me as always, host of the show, the MMA detective Mike Davis. Today we have a special guest, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt who fought everywhere from neutral grounds in L.A. to Pride in Japan. He's a UFC veteran who fought in the SEG and Zufa eras. He's played a big role in the evolution of our sport. The king of the armbar, Fabiano Iha. Thank you for being here. Thank, thanks for having me. So, Fabiano, your start within the United States martial arts, like mixed martial arts system, the jiu-jitsu world, mm -hmm. was at a time where it was like an explosion, an explosion of talents and people traveling. Um, your first gym here in the United States, was it Beverly Hills Jiu-Jitsu? Correct. Mm -hmm. That was the first gym that I actually, it was not my gym. I got hired to uh, to teach jiu-jitsu there. Okay, who hired you? Was uh, if I'm not mistaken, the name of the guy, the owner was Avi. He um, he hired me, hired uh, Marco Ruiz to do Vale Tudo, Baz Hutin to do stand up, maybe, and um, uh, Marker to do the okay. wrestling, and Oleg Tatarov. That was the team. Okay, what we're experiencing here is the first attempt at what the Dan Lambert and the American top team pulled off because that right there is just an absolute, just number one, number one, number one lineup. It's, it's an incredible lineup. So yeah, is this the, is this the gym that we see in the movie, the smashing machine? That's Beverly Hills jujitsu. Just making sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so go ahead. You you get get in with all of these guys. How is it teaching there? How do you? I mean, how do you even get on their radar? Well, um, I I again I was just out of the boat on that time. You know, like I was I was teaching private uh, private for Machados uh, for Higa Machados in Torrance on that time, and that opportunity came out, and then I. Just moving. I didn't actually move in. I, I was in still in Redondo Beach, living in Redondo Beach at that time. And then I got invited to, um, again, to teach jiu-jitsu at Beverly Hills. And um, I did for a little while. Uh, thanks, actually, for to them. I, that's when I got discovered uh, to get invited to fight in the UFC. Uh, John, uh, John Pereri came in and... Um, Back in the days, he used to like he used to like to go and and train with the fighters before he even he hired the you know the person to fight in the UFC because there was not too many information available. So he used, he used to travel all over the world and just grappling and sparring with that person to see if they you know deserve to be in the UFC. So he came in, we trained, and it's like okay, I like you, I want to you know have you on the show. And I'm just jumping all over, but um, you know, his first, uh, my first um, contract with UFC was to fight uh, uh, Frank Shenron. Okay, 
Okay. We, I think you, uh, we're, we're, we'll get into that, but let, let's go a little bit more back. <laughs> yeah, let's go for, back. Yeah. I just, okay. Yeah. So for you to even get to this point means that you've got a, a very strong lineage. There's really not much known about you. Like there's not a lot online. Your Wikipedia is very limited. Mm-hmm. Let's start with your jujitsu beginnings. Oh uh, yeah. I'm black belt from Claudine Gracie, uh, Claudine and Hegan, uh, Helian Gracie, uh, from Brazil. And then uh, when I came here, I also got a black belt from Joe Moreira and from Higa Machado. Okay, so you're pretty decorated. Now, there's a little bit of controversy in regards to your black belt with the people that are naysayers. What they say is you skipped your brown belt level. I was brown belt for a year, so I don't know if I skipped my brown belt level. Okay, good, good. I was also told that you won the. a world title at brown belt uh yes and every single belt uh from blue belt all the way all the way up wow i did not i did not won um in black belt because um when i got my black belt i was already uh kind of mentally focused and trying to get in ufc and uh i was doing um i did abu dhabi and I was more uh, close to no gi and MMA than um, actually, you know, jujitsu uh, competition with gi. I was already burned out, uh, like uh, of that on that time. Okay, so your your first year Abu Dhabi, you actually got the invite for the inaugural Abu Dhabi, which is 1998, uh, mm-hmm. March 20th. How, how do you get that invite? And then who was your roommate? Um, we, we, um, I got invited by, um, um, uh, by Ryan, Ryan, um, I forgot his last name. Um, Ryan actually somehow got involved with the, you know, the whole, uh, organization and he put up a team it was me, um, um, sorry, Rico Rodriguez. And uh, two other two other fighters that I don't kind of like remember they never actually made it. And then uh, we went there as a team. And as you remember, he uh, he Rico ended up winning the the show. Um, I got third, and the other two guys they they lost in the first fight. Well, your your third place. I mean, your your tournament is pretty remarkable. Uh, Juan mm-hmm. Valles, you get a flying armbar right off the bat, 48 seconds. Uh, Harib uh, Hashel, you got an armbar in a minute. So your first two matches are under two minutes combined. Mm-hmm. And in the third round, you run into Henzo Gracie. That, that was bizarre because my instructor, um, uh, um, sorry, Hillian, Hillian Gracie, he was in Henzo corner because they caught him you know and my actually my instructor told me fabiano is nothing personal it's just my family you know he invited me to come here and you know i'm coaching him and unfortunately you guys end up in the semi-final and then i'm gonna say it is what it is so um i i don't know if you ever watched the the the, the match i almost got Hanzo in the armbar 
And uh, I was like a little bit mentally, uh, I say, down into because, again, you know, my structures with, with him, I was by myself. And, you know, Henzo is, is Henzo, you know. He's it's great. Enzo. Yeah, it's Enzo. Great. In that time, I was like, in my mind, he's one, you know, the best guys uh, that I could go against, you know. Him and Jen Jack, I, I used to have a lot of respect for both of them. And um, so I kind of like walk in into the, like, I'm going to do my best. I don't know if I'm going to win. But so when I actually got him on the arm, I was like, oh, sh- shit, this really happened. <laughs> and uh, that one second delay, you know, got him to twist his arm, escape, and he beat me by points. So that's the end of the story, you know? Okay. Right, right. Yeah, you come back, you beat John Lewis uh, for third place. Still a fantastic showing. And, you mm. know, at that time, nobody really knew what to expect from ADCC. Nobody did. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was the first one. Yeah. It was the first one. It uh, was amazing. Great experience ever. Um, I really like it there. I like the way they treat all the fighters and, you know, everything else. Um, everybody there kind of like, uh, I felt like, Everybody was competing. Not everybody's competing against each other, but everybody was competing, but like in the big family, kind of. Okay. It was it was kind of like, you know, kind of cool that everybody got invited, you know, from from uh considering, you know, the best fighters in the in the world. So who was your roommate? Uh yes. I have Somebody, I forgot his name. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. Here's kind of an off the wall question. When you were over at Beverly Hills Jiu Jitsu, the rumor was that, to- well, here, I'm going to tell you where it came from. Tobahiko Nakata, Tobahiko Takata, and Sakuraba showed up and grappled with you guys. Did mm-hmm. Sakuraba catch Mark Lehman in an armbar? Um, like yes 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 like he uh, he also uh he also submit me and uh, he some submitted weird, you too? yeah and some weird submission that uh i i i end up ask him to to uh to show me and, yeah yeah and then because again i was like i was open mind and then uh of course and uh end up actually getting a lot of people after because it was something very different. It's, all, it's not the greatest. It's, it's just, um, you know, like almost like on the level of wrist, wrist lock, almost on that level, kind of, you know. Uh, uh, but it was something, he got me, and I was like, shit, never seen that before. <laughs> so anyway... So that question comes from uh, Emma Betts, 1981, from the Underground Forum on MMA.tv. Um, I had heard that Sakuraba was there, but I didn't know he was really in like rolling with everybody. How did he fare against the other instructors? It's a, like a virtual all-star team there. I, I, be honest with you, I don't, I don't kind of remember. I, uh, I, I got invited by them to uh, to teach him and coach him. Um, against uh, Hoyler on the, on the 
that's that's when I went actually to Pride um, to to uh, to okay. coach him. Yeah. So when I was there, uh, I went just to coach him. I was not supposed to fight. And then I was there. One of the fighters that's supposed to fight Frank Twig got hurt, and they invited me to fight Frank Twig like a week before the fight. And then I said. I I accept because money money talks <laughs> was yeah. a great money on the table, and uh, I knew it that I have a very limited you know chance because uh, Frank at that time was uh, twenty pounds over me heavier heavier yeah. than you and you yeah. know you the pride doesn't really have weight division uh, so. Uh, it was it was a it was a good experience to uh, step into the ring with that many people. Oh, yeah. so I didn't I don't regret off you know, but I wish I I I was kind of like going there for the fight. I didn't even have a coach with me. My my dad was coaching me. That never even been the fight before. <laughs> I just told my dad, just give him the time. With your strong jujitsu lineage, did you butt heads a lot with Marco Huas, or were you guys able to kind of meet halfway? Well, um, I, I don't know how if you guys know the history of you know the whole jujitsu. Uh, you know the the jujitsu and Valley Tour was never never good friends like for a long time. But on the other hand, me and Marco Huas was very good friends, and uh, there was a there was a crazy controversy about that because um marcos trained me for my first ufc and um uh, not too many people know that but you know like it is what it is like he trained me and then the the day of the fight when i was in my locker room and i was the last time that was taking a leak before put the cop and getting ready to to actually you know, step in the ring. When I came out the restroom, he was gone. <laughs> he, he, he just left me behind. <laughs> like why there? Like exactly fifteen minutes before my fight. Did you ever ask him why? Pressure. He he actually regret later. He was we we spoke about he he was expression from um, from everybody and the, the whole uh, Valitudo community you all say you know why you were one of the top guys from Valetudo uh walking to help a jiu-jitsu guy into a fight so that was it he couldn't handle the pressure oh my god well i mean look at you you're walking in with him and you're fighting yeah. you've got the same pressure as him it was funny that joe moreira was there at that time so when I come out the restaurant, Joe came to me and say, Fab, uh, come here. I want to talk to you. He's like, you know, I'm with you. Huh? It's like, yeah, Joe, I know. It's like, I, I got some bad news for you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, Marcus left. <laughs> I think I'm like, what left? Yeah, he's left. He's not going to, he's not going to be in your corner. I'm like, what else is I don't have time for that. You know, I have to go in, come with me, and it is what it is. <laughs> what can we do? 
He he was in your corner for some earlier fights, right? Maybe the Club Luciano. Here, here. Yeah, let's, let's 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 go from the beginning. June, it we're kind of skipping around. June twentieth, nineteen ninety eight, neutral grounds. It's your first fight here in the United States. Did you fight in Brazil prior to here? Yes, I have fights in Brazil, but uh, just kind of like uh, you know, back back in that days was uh, in Brazil was one one organization only. Pretty much that there was a valid uh organization that used to throw fights there. Uh uh the jungle fight. Okay. Yeah. And then it was uh a small kind of like a neutral grounds and you know, like inside the gyms, kind of like the sport was you know, kind of like baby steps on that time. Um so I have some fights there, but nothing uh like on the professional kind of level. Okay. Way. So, how long were you in the United States before you took your first fight? Uh, like less than five, six months. Okay. So you acclimated a little bit. Well, I I came on on the mission, so I was kind of put my you know put the walls there that I was ready to fight. So I I moved here to fight. So I was was it was it your whole intention of coming yes. here? Yes, I I came. I the first time I came was for uh, UFC uh, three. I came with Helian Gracie, my instructor, to uh, uh, help Hoist Gracie. So when I saw Hoist fighting, and I'm like, oh shit, I want to do that. <laughs> and then I, from that time, I was like on the mission. I sold my business. I used to have a nightclub back home, and I sold my nightclub and. I, I came here just just for that. So you were at UFC three, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, dude, Joey, this is <laughs> we're ready. All right. So UFC three, the controversy. I shouldn't even say. Well, I guess it is controversy. We interviewed Chris Brennan, and he told us that for UFC three, chemo had. Ziggler was the guy's last time going off the top of my head. Or maybe Randy Ziggler. I, I, Ralph Ziggler. Ziggler is definitely the last name. He pays a guy to go do privates with, with, uh, with Hickson, learn everything, and then come back and teach Chemo everything that he had learned. Were you aware of that? I guess the cat got out of the bag at weigh-ins. Was the, the 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 only well the only um I say there was in the air on that time was that uh, Hickson was not on a good uh, uh, I say friendship family yeah, you problems, know, problems fighting with yeah. with um, uh, Horian not. Actually, Horace, uh, and then Horian is the one that was managing and doing, you know, the whole thing for Horace. So that's actually why Helian, my instructor, step in and start to coach Horace uh, at that time. But I, I did, I knew it that I heard that um, Kimo kind of like learned jujitsu because jujitsu was something new. That's why. And not not only why, but that's why Hoist was doing so great because nobody kind of knew it 
you know, he has, he did have a weapon. He did have a weapon that nobody knew where it would come from. And then, uh, of course, he he knows how to apply very well that weapon. And then when he got somebody that physically are way stronger than him, that knows tiny little bit, or at least to protect himself with some stuff, that's, I think, that's why he was not expecting that from him. And that's why I think he gave him a hard time. And okay, with Frost, so, Frost, oh yeah. a couple other things, oh yeah. you know what I mean? So Chris Brennan told us that Joe San dealing a lot of drugs at nightclubs funded the uh, the private lessons with Hickson through this guy Ziggler. Ziggler mm-hmm. comes back, teaches chemo, which is why chemo was able to have a, a, a decent defense mm-hmm. for, for, for a little bit of a time. But he said at the hotel lobby, when I saw Ziggler with chemo, there was almost a huge fight. The entire Gracie family almost beat everybody up. I do remember side. that. I do remember that fight. Yeah, I do remember like have <laughs> something big happen that. Yeah, I do. Let's talk about that UFC three locker room. When did Hoist? When did you know that Hoist wasn't going to uh, proceed in the tournament? Um, I, I, like he was, uh, he he was uh, like, uh, like physically, um, not ready for that tournament at all from the beginning. Can I interject here? So what history tells us, I was not, obviously none of us Mm -hmm. were there. Hickson made a play for a million dollars to get into the UFC. Hoyler, Helio, or not Hoyler, Horian, Helio, uh, Art Davey, they all told him no, they didn't have the money. And then there was, Hickson stopped training Hoyce at that point and stopped cornering him. So you get brought in to help him. And when did you know that there maybe had some problems in the uh, in his conditioning? Um, well, what I, what they told me back in the day is that, uh, um, so when Horian create the UFC, um, they put Hickson is the one that's supposed to be the star, the guy, but they decide like, um, let's not, it's almost like you're on the war. Let's not put your best weapon the best on the guy and the, the front, front line. line because let's see how our second or, or third one does before we bring you in and then that's why hoist started and then hoist started to do what he did in my opinion he did great he did amazing phenomenal legend phenomenal. legend Hoist, you know legend and then Kind of to the point that that uh, Hickson's like, I wanna, I wanna in. I was supposed to be in, and then they could actually not bring him in because it was a tournament. How he was gonna get in? Or either is one out to the other one come in. So that's what I heard on my side on that. All right. Okay. So when do you know? Okay. Hoist was having issues with his conditioning. Was mm-hmm. not ready. 
when do they decide that he's not going to proceed? I, I, I honestly feel I don't remember. I don't right. actually remember. I was just like, I, I, you know, like again, Helion was my striker, is the one that was, you know, coaching him and, 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 and dealing with the situation. I was just there, kind of like, if you need somebody to warm up, if you need somebody to do stuff, I'm here. And pretty much that's it. Who threw the towel against Harold Howard? Um, don't remember. Were you in I the corner? Think, no, I was not in the corner. Oh, you were in I the corner? I was back. not in the corner. I was there. Okay. Yeah, I was not in the corner. Not in the corner. It was only, uh, it was only the family on the corner on that time. Were you in the Gracie train going out to the cage? Yes. Oh, yeah, dude. yeah, but not together. You know, like they they are like they very tight. Yeah, you, know you have to leave. You you walk them out, yeah. and then guys, some people stay, some people go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. I got I got I got to ask you this. So Hoist comes in. Rich man G Goins says both names. Leaves the cage. They close the door. They ring the bell. You guys or the people from the Gracie corner throw the towel in against Harold Howard. Is that a no contest or is that a loss? I, well, it should be no contest in my opinion. No contest? <laughs> he didn't lose it. <laughs> he didn't lose. Well, he didn't win. He yeah. also doesn't advance. Yeah. Yeah. So the loss could be a loss. Yeah. Justice for Harold Howard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my other my other cornerman question for you. First off, dude, that is incredible. That is an incredible first first person account. Um, Tito Ortiz, um, you and Tito were real close, and you cornered him. I got it right. You cornered Tito Ortiz against Randy Coulter, and at some point in the fight, you were actually on your cell phone talking to somebody. During the fight, mm -hmm. who are you talking to? Uh, I I don't remember. I remember like somebody told me something like that. It's like um, I I think I got a uh, actually. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna laugh on that, but I think it was my mom just because you watch on TV and just call me and say I'm I'm see you <laughs> and something like that. <laughs> So, and then, so that, and then I thought of, I saw that I like I need, I need like as a mom on the fight and like you know how go. It's like you know I'm sorry. It's, this is my mom, right? <laughs> I thought uh, it, that was uh, September 26, 2003, UFC 44. Um, honestly, okay. So right around this time, Panama Lewis, famous boxing trainer, banned from boxing, not allowed to train, allowed to train people, not allowed to corner people. So Sugar Shane Mosley would have somebody in the corner on their next tell giving advice from mm -hmm. Panama Lewis. I didn't know if it was a situation like that or uh, not. No, no, it was like quick kind of like answer and just, uh, you know, letting go. She's, wow. she's that, that, that type of uh, uh, worry about, you know, like okay. same. I got a phone call from her. The day that, that my first loss in the UFC, right after I, I, I stepped in from the from the octagon, and she called me, and 
Oh. Actually, emotionally destroy me because like, you know, moms love you. Doesn't matter what happened. I'm like, <laughs> that's all we need to hear now. <laughs> and <they're> going, <laughs> you know? um, okay. Before Ken Shamrock and Tito Ortiz had their big rivalry, mm-hmm. the rumor was that you were backstage at a King of the Cage. You're talking with Tito. And you see Ken Shamrock walking your way. Ken Shamrock calls Tito a cocksucker and can't stand him. And then they have a communication, of which time Tito leaves. And Ken tells you that guy's always such a motherfucker. Did they always have that type of rivalry? And do you remember that instance backstage? Um. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like actually disappoint you guys a little bit on there, because um, on the like you you remember when they fought actually in the UFC and yes the whole whole drama on the press conference and like you know Tito kicking chair and the whole thing Uh, I I believe was in if I was I think I'm believing like I was in Mandalay Bay or. I don't kind of like not sure what hotel was that, but anyway, so they used to have a back elevator that everybody used to, um, not everybody, all like the people, the fighter used to go in. It's like a big kind of like a service elevator. Okay, yeah. And then we walk into the elevator after the, the whole drama, you know. And again, in my perspective, the when I'm seeing like these guys really hate each other, they're gonna kill each other, you know, and the whole drama. So I we walk into the elevator and then me and Tito, the whole team is inside the elevator, and then guess who walk in? <laughs> Why in the same elevator with everybody else? Ken Shen Rock and the team. And then okay. they come with each other and again like, hey Tito, how's it going? How's your wife? <laughs> see, see, I to like talking like you know, two wow. like civilized friends, like you know, I'm like, what the hell just happened here? You guys like almost trying to kill each other <laughs> ten minutes ago, and now like, and then I'm like, oh, dead. This is our acting. The whole thing was acting. I'll pretend again. Sorry, it's so a it's nope. so, so pay per views. I am and a mark. Then, and I tell you what, you know, Ken, he's good at that because he came from WWE. I think they they taught him that. You know, they taught Fuji him. Aragumi. He was, I mean, he was in Japan doing. Yeah, doing all that. You know, like and then Tiro also. You know, is Tiro. Tiro is good in that as well. You know, I don't really think they kind of like really have a beef against each other. It's just like putting the show. That's what that's I saw because when you walk in the elevator, I'm like, I'm I was getting ready to a war. I'm like, it's, it's gonna, <laughs> you know, it's gonna come. It's like we're gonna all fight each other here. It's like gonna be a war. It's like, how's oh, it going? How's the family? Everybody's good. I'm like, what? <laughs> that was a hell of a show, man. I was, so <laughs> yeah, man, it was legit. legit. Got us <laughs> all. Yeah, it was it was. I agree. I agree because again, I wasn't his corner. And I, I thought that they hate each other. They're gonna wait to kill each other. You know, 
but anyway, again, sorry to break no, that up. Yeah, no, that's very good. No, that's why we're it. here, man. That's why we're here. Um, in 2004, you helped Vitor Belfort train for Randy Couture up in Big Bear. Mm -hmm. What was your experience like? Uh, very disappointed. Very disappointed. Um, um, Victor is like, um, I, I, I was very disappointed the way he treated uh, his team member. And then later on, I kind of realized that he kept jumping from one team to another because I, I believe what he was doing. And uh, um, uh, it's, it's just, um, he's an incredible, incredible uh, fighter, but not strong mind. He doesn't okay. believe in himself. Okay, so we, in our Pat Militich interview, you got to remember, it's Brazilians versus Americans at the time when Pat Militich was fighting. The Brazilian team actually had to pull Pat into the locker room to give Vitor a pep talk so he would go out and fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like, like, uh, I, I actually um, kind of play, play with him a little bit when I was there. I was just like on myself, like what I put myself into because he, um, I kind of have a feeling that, I don't know, I can maybe even, you know, talking shit or talk too much now, but I, I think he's kind of like when he was taking steroids, you know, the steroids kind of make you, you know, the, the kind of like, like the incredible hook kind of like experience. It's like invincible. Yeah. You know, and then he, when he stopped taking that mess him up again, his skills is still there. That doesn't change his skills, but it changed the way he think right here and i i was what's up man it was like i i experienced some crazy stuff that and i'm like shit i was not expecting that at all you know well that wasn't your first time at big bear um i, I know december 23rd 2000 pride 11 you also helped train mark kerr for his rematch against Igor vovchenshin mm -hmm. in big bear Mm -hmm. How was that experience? Um, well, we did we did several. Uh, we actually um, was the one the first MMA guys to to do yeah. a, a camping. Yeah, it, it was mostly Tito's idea. Tito Ortiz, though, am I correct? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. He kind of went where the boxers were going. Brilliant move, brilliant move. Yeah, like, and then I, I was just, um, you know, back in the days, I um, I used to have Octagon. Was the one the first guy actually to own and have uh, full size Octagon inside the gym. So I, I was able to every single time I was able to take the Octagon from my uh for my gym and place it in big bear and um and set up like if we set up several different uh very very interesting uh training uh facility over there like we used to rent you know two different houses and at one time we actually put a big big tent in the back and one 
one house and set up the octagon weights and everything that we need to get it done right there without leave the spot was was a couple times pretty amazing um but um back to your questions like um he's you know he's great like good skills strong guy um was he in camp have yeah good normal not not drama uh, we actually invite a lot of people to you know to went up there and uh it's kind of like a big bear is kind of tricky because it takes like a week for you to get used to the altitude and then after that it's kind of like kind of almost like a joke fun joke to invite people down to go there to train because <laughs> you know they're gonna die yes out you know, two it, three minutes it, into yeah, the altitude. The altitude is oh, very altitude high there. Is like destroy you, and 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 it's it, it is it is fun after you're there for a little while, but it's not fun to adjust yourself <laughs> to that point. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. It's kind of brutal. So I have you know funny story from rampage, fun story from you name it, from everybody that you know get get up there and don't kind of like it's. It's very, very difficult, very difficult feeling. Is uh I think the two feeling the worst feelings the fighter can 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 feel is altitude and um jet lag. Jet lag and altitude. I think it's the worst that can destroy any good fighter if they're not prepared for that, in my opinion. Some of the people that were up there with you, Gerald Strebent, Tito Ortiz, Rico Rodriguez, um you guys also got into a car accident at, during that camp. Uh, who did it? Uh, I don't remember who did it. It was not me. Yeah, like I, I actually crashed my car, uh, but it was not too bad. It was just like kind of slide into, uh, I, I used to have a, a, a Hummer H3 uh, in 2003. And um and it was snowing pretty bad and I just like one of these you stop and I keep going into to to the wall but not bad and just kind of back up and keep going but uh there was, there was yeah there was a rumor that you guys like accidentally slid into a car with two local people they jump out of the car angry looking for a fight you guys exit and then they started apologizing <laughs> i again uh i don't i okay. don't remember that so sorry to help you on that, that one. no it's okay how, how was working out with uh, gerald strabant um eddie bravo and, black belt twister guy uh very skilled yeah. on the ground yes uh um I again not I I can okay. really remember. I'm not want to okay. make things up. Just you know, no, right, 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 right. Yeah. All right. So your neutral grounds fight, June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. You win by armbar in twenty five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had people talking about you, but it was more like questions. Like, come on, 
this guy can't be doing this. Like it's fluke is what they had said. Uh, you then fought in a four man tournament for the extreme challenge 22 title in Utah, November 21st, 1998, your first opponent, an incredible stud in Eve Edwards. Love him. Tell us, man, how'd you win that one? Yeah. Armbar. Another yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And he's good. He's very I like good. He's very good. Yeah. I wish I was uh, able to arm a club to shut. I think you. Well, wait, I think here, you let's, let's, here let, let's do this. So the main event, I mean, the title fight in the in the in the four man was uh, Clever Luciano, Joey Venti. Why don't you describe kind of what the rivalry was like between these two in California? <clears throat> well, there's okay. always these these rumors that the gyms were challenging each other, and that Clever would challenge uh, Fabiano to a jiu-jitsu it, match, but at 100%. this point. But at this point, you are in MMA. So you were saying, no, if you're going to fight me, it has to be an MMA. And Thank the you. rumor is that when Clever signed up for this tournament, he didn't know you were in it. I was not he, in. He didn't know till the weigh-in, and it was too late to back out. Is that right? A hundred percent right. <laughs> I used the first. Thank you. You're the first person to describe exactly the way it was. Right. Joey, he don't you to, ever take my moments from me. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> he used to, yeah, he used to, um, like, our gym was very close close in Huntington Beach. So he used to walk into my gym and and challenge me. to. Oh, let's do this jiu-jitsu tournament with Gi. I'm like, dude, how many times I'm going to have to tell you that I don't do Gi anymore? I'm in a different level. I'm a MMA fighter. You know, like I've been fighting all over the place, and you want me to go ahead and do one jiu-jitsu B match match with you. That every single time that you win, you win by points because you do a little point and stall the whole fight. You know, the whole time. And like, I, you think I'm gonna go to that world? I don't want to do that. And he's like going, going, was going back online and talk a lot of shit. And then one beautiful day, I was in my house. Just checking of like you know on like on the internet stuff, and then I'm like I saw the extreme challenge, and then I'm look Clever Luciano, I'm like oh no, and the whole thing you know the card was already already set was, um, and then I called my manager and I told my manager to say who was your manager who was it that time was um. No, 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 no. I, 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 I bring his name up. And then, go ahead, and, go ahead with this story. But we'll anyway, I call him and then say, "Get me in that fight. I don't care." And then he call um, Money uh, Cox, Money Cox, and Money Cox. We don't, we, we, we are low budget. We don't have the budget to pay Fabiano. And then I say, "I fight for free. How about that?" <laughs> How about that? Get me oh, in. He's like, how much? That's Manny's language. That yeah. is Manny's love language. Yes. <laughs> he said, no, no, that's okay. I say, I pay you, you know, I pay you what I offer. The guy said, what is, how much is that? I was like, $1,000 if you win the tournament. Oh, so, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I don't care. Like, so uh, I told him, but let's do this. You got to keep this secret. 
all the way to Friday on the way in. Because if you let it go before that, Webb is going to back up. I don't want to give him any room for him to back up. I want him. And then he's like, okay, it's a deal. And then I walk in on the Friday on the on the press conference for the waiting. And then I pass by him and his wife. And I say, I got you now, bitch. <laughs> You're not going anywhere. <laughs> it's like, now we're going to fight. And then he's making a big deal. It's like, what? Like, you know, I say, what? Now that's it. What excuse are you going to get? The fight. Yeah. The day before the fight. And then um, he did good on his first fight. He also, I think he won by 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 a choke. Uh, and what, and what then, gym is he representing at this time? Um, Marco Hus. Oh, he's with who? Oh, so Me. there's deep roots there. Yeah, yeah. So, so Kleber is also with Marco Huas? No, no, no. Kleber was Hickson, Hickson Gracie. He's with Hickson. Yeah. He's, uh, he was uh, with, uh, yeah, Hickson. Hickson was not there, but he's, was his Hickson black belt. Uh, yeah, you had, like Hua, you, you had Huas in your corner. Joe, he had Huas in his corner. That's right. That's right. For, for yeah. Kleber won his first fight against Victor Hunsaker, who was a tough guy from California. Very good fighter. Very I, I good think he fighter. underappreciated Victor Hunsaker. Yes. Oh, big time. Big time. Yeah. yeah. I, I trained with him before. He's he's good. Because he did fought in, Lux, uh, in neutral grounds before, if I'm not mistaken. That's why I met him from, from uh, Ryan. Yeah, he, he fought Javi Vasquez. He fought Savant Young. I think both at neutral yeah. grounds. So he fought a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now he he was he was good. I was uh, I, I was like surprised that uh, they actually went went pretty far up. You know the rules was different. Remember the rules was ten minutes for the one round for ten minutes and another round five minutes instead of three five minutes round was one ten minutes and another five. So when Kleber would go into your gym and challenge you to gi matches. Would he bring up the fact that you were with Marco at the time? No, no, not at all. He's just like, uh, again, he was just, you know, like, oh, I want to do this, come, come, like, do the super fight with me against, against me. And, and, and he and I'm like, dude, I don't do jiu-jitsu anymore. How many times are going to have to tell you that I don't do jiu-jitsu? <laughs> and then I'm like, let's do MMA fight. If you, you know, let's do MMA. He's like, I don't do MMA either. I'm like, okay, so we're not talking the same language. We're not on the same page. Yeah. And then, yeah, go, then, go to the next gym. Go bother somebody at the next gym across the street. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> go, 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 go somebody else and leave me alone. But when who would do that, did who us ever? Was Marco was kind of a guy that, uh, I can say he's got a short fuse, but somebody that would lean into the opportunity of fighting. Would any of the other people at the gym when he would do this to you uh, ever almost get involved? No. Oh, no, no. It was not like he was not coming as he was not actually coming on the disrespectful way. Okay. Let's put it this way. Yeah. He okay. was still like, you know, walking in. Hi, how's it going? We have this, you know, we have I'm this big tournament coming up. Do you want to do a super, you know, super fight against me? And then I'm just like, no, I don't do jiu-jitsu. It's kind of like very 
civilized conversation, not kind of like he coming with his team and, you know, nothing like that. But, but you had you enough. Know? Yeah, you had enough. Okay. Yeah. But you know, to the point, I'm like, come on, you know. Was bad was what he was talking after he left because he was like, oh, he's a coward, he, you know, like he didn't want to like that's what that's what got me into. It's like, come on, man, you come here, we talk very nicely, and then you you leave and start talk shit, you know. So, but how does the fight end? How does the fight end? Fight end very good, like even like a clear knockout, not the best knockout ever but it was a knockout you know like back in that time i was not my stand-up was i was again i wasn't processing or learning um stand like like using my hands and in my legs uh you know getting better stand-up with marcus but uh was not not that great yet but was able to uh catch him on the on the sheen and he went down and then later on he was saying to everybody that he was not knockout <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think you don't have uh TV at home, buddy. Just watch the video. Yeah, yeah. Um it, good. If you if you call yourself a fight fan and you've not seen this fight, it is on Fight Pass and it is a good expenditure of eight minutes of your time. You know, it, it's a it's a treat, it's an old relic, you've got to go see it. Yeah. What was what was the feeling afterward? Did you guys shake hands or did you just kind of part ways? I, I, I actually um I to be honest with you, the the the, the one that kind of like spiced up the whole thing was his wife. His wife kind of like is the the one that you know kind of like managed the gym and stuff. She was the one that was kind of like throwing us against each other, you know, like to the point that I was like Come on, stop doing this. Like I, I personally never have any problems against Kleber. It's just like she was kind of pushing the whole time. Like, like I, I don't, I don't, I never okay. even got. Yeah, yeah. Let me translate you know? for everybody. Sometimes there's men that are with women that get in lots of fist fights because of their women. This is one yes. of them. That's the one, this one, one for sure. This is no, one for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I saw I saw Club a couple of years ago and it was just like, you know. Did you ask if he was divorced? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, he's still with his wife, but I was like, you know. Uh, it's funny because I, we went to, um, uh, I went to see Rampage and um, at the gym uh the you know the old uh h v uh, train center with tiki my old partner and um so tiki goes another legend of the california scene yeah and yeah uh, tiki been doing very great for the sport right now he managed a lot of fighters and training he's like he's doing very well um so when i let when i get out the car i was with one of my friends and it was a get out the car and my friend said oh no Oh shit! Look who's there. I'm like, who's that? Let's clap. <laughs> and then it's like, no, there's no way about it. It's like our thing is like underpass. You know, it's nothing. It's nothing. Uh, history. Within, it's history. Within, it's history. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. History. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's really good stuff. You also worked out with Raw Team, Real American Wrestling. It was Rico mm -hmm. Chiaparelli, Dan Henderson, Randy Couture, 
Wander Braga, Vlad Matyushenko, Frank Trigg. I think Frank Shamrock Amazing. was there for a little bit. Amazing Amazing lineup. experience, yeah. Yeah, they, they were like a very strong team, very tight together there also. Um, go ahead. What, what was your favorite memory of working out with those guys? Um, um, well, Randy, you know, Randy's Randy, classic, you know. Um, um, I forgot like what his name. Um, Dan Henderson. Dan Glenn Henderson. Okay. Dan Henderson is something else, man. Dan Henderson is the guy when you see him training at the gym, you can never in your life imagine that he can do that good inside the ring. He's a completely different guy. Uh, this is exactly okay. So in our Chris Lieben interview, Chris Lieben said, this is kind of an off comment. Yeah, Dan doesn't win a lot of rounds in practice. No. No. It's like, I, I don't know. It looks like he's a different guy. They're walking to, in, into the fight. It's like... You turn uh, on the lights and he's, he's a monster. Just, uh, he is. He is. He's incredible, different fighter from training session to actually the fight like i see the opposite very good guy incredible amazing on training and when they step into the ring they cannot deliver show rigs <laughs> a couple other ones but you know he's the opposite it's like like almost to the point like please please don't fight you're gonna get killed Clay that, Weed is the same bad. way Clay Weed is the same way. Well, Clay Weed is the same way as like Dan Henderson. It's people in the practice room will just be like, what do we got here? You ring the bell and, you know, it's yeah. it's exactly who you want in there. He's a, a different person. And I in, in, you know, I, don't, I don't need to, you know, to say to you guys how good he is. You know? <laughs> Amazing. Wow. What was your thoughts of Rico Ciaparelli? Um. Very, very good technical. Very, very good on wrestling. He knows. He knows. Back in the day, he used to know exactly what he was doing. Um, very technical, uh, tough as well, uh, and have he did have all the guys under control pretty much in that time. You know, he was the captain of the team. Well. He- all right, at this time, like you and Wanda Braga go over there, but it was pretty controversial because all right, Mars um, has an event where Tom Erickson fights uh, Bustamante, and Schiaparelli is in Erickson's corner, and he gave Erickson maybe like a month, a month and a half of how to defeat jiu-jitsu and defend against jiu-jitsu, and mm-hmm. even though that fight between Bustamante and Erickson was a draw, Henzo Gracie, he threw Rico Ciparelli out of his gym, stripped him of his belt ranking, everything. Mm-hmm. So with you guys going over to, to Raw Team, was there any pushback from the Brazilian side? Well, like I, I, I heard several times a lot of shit from everybody because I was like, I, I'm open mind means you don't care. I, I, yeah. I came from jujitsu. Yeah. I came from jujitsu. I love jujitsu. Jujitsu is in my heart. Yes, but I cannot 
be like a horse into the track and don't see what's going on, that you need to learn more to become a good fighter. And then if you ask me, yes, did I went to places to, to learn Muay Thai? Yes, I did. Did I went to places to learn wrestling? Yes, I did. Because I felt that I need to learn more. I was only with my ability to, you know, to get Amber from everywhere. It was not going to get me what I want. I need something else. And then I didn't kind of like, I, I didn't want to be into that old mentality that, you know, I, I if I'm, am in this tribe, I should only be on this tribe. You know, uh, I was like, no, like if you have something good. And also I was very open to show any, any body that, you know, that I was training with what I had, not worry about anything else. Not worry about stuff that could hurt me at the end. You know, I was like, no, let's like what you have. You have a good takedown? Show me that takedown. Let me show me how to use my hips, how where I put my hand. You know, where I'm getting myself because I need that. And the you know, the same way I'm like, okay, on the ground you can do this and that. Let's like over, like changing information that some of the jiu-jitsu guys don't like that. You know, they don't really like that. So so yeah, well, Chris Brandon in our interview, he and Mark Lehman, well, Mark, we didn't interview Mark, but he had said that in some of the instruction that he had received at the Gracie Academy, in the later on belts, they would teach kind of the opposite. And it was like they were teaching bad things in order to kind of beat the system. And he's like, because they when that. he figured that out, yeah. it was time for him to leave. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he's, he was not lying. Put this way, all I can say is that he was not lying about that. And, and you know, on the, on the Gracie side, they want the advantage. They always, you know, if their family is fighting, I, I, I also understand they also want to have a little bit of control or, mm -hmm. you know, the table tilted their way. But once jujitsu, the secret got out, there was no containing oh. it. There was no yeah. containing it. Yeah, it was too late. Exactly. It was just like now it's just, uh, Branding. Um, yeah. This is branding and, at that point. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and then uh, my opinion between uh, um, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy and against uh, American Jiu-Jitsu guy is that the Brazilian, they born with a gift so they don't need like a gift of learning and do things very uh like like well fluid fluid, fluid without a lot of training on the, on the american side what i see is that american guy when he's good is he put a lot of timing a lot of training into that he's not as gift as the Brazilians, if you understand what I'm trying to say, yeah, it, it, you know, and then some they work, the have to work harder. They have to work harder. Sandra, yeah, thank you. Some of the Brazilians yeah. they are gift, but they lazy. 
instead of you know the some of the, the American guys, they're not that gifted, but they train hard and getting get that that way. That's interesting. That's that's, that's actually wow, wow. All right, California scene. How difficult was it for you to adjust from Brazil to California? Um, b- back in the days, um, a little bit. Like I came in, uh, I, I was not speaking English at all. I I could I couldn't speak a word in English when I when I arrived here a long time ago. I may maybe still not <laughs> maybe maybe still not speaking very well, but at least I communicate. <laughs> but uh, it was difficult that way, um, and but uh, I miss I miss old California. I miss my California when I moved here. <laughs> I, you know because I left Brazil for several reasons that I face it here now. <laughs> so now I'm like, what the fuck, you know? I have yeah. No idea. I mean, I'm from Chicago. It's it's paradise here too, man. I, I mean, it's this is exactly what I always wanted to be in. This place right here. Yeah. So, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> one, one, of, one of the lifestyle things that changes from Brazil to California. Dude, this is a crazy question, but it was a rumor. There was an underground fight in 1999 that was kind of coupled with the adult film industry. So there would be a fight. And then after the fight, there would be an act from the adult film industry, and then there would be a fight afterward. There was a rumor that you had fought on a card like that. Is that true? Um, no. Okay. No. Damn it. I wanted that one to be true. <laughs> I know. That, 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 Damn that, it. Uh, um, don't. What's a, what's a, um, one promoter one time that, that he put some uh, – some porno star and some strippers to fight against each other. But that's the only thing that I remember that kind of close to, to, to that story. It's but it was, probably exactly what they were. Yeah. And you know, who fought, okay. you know who fought in that? Tell me. Eve Edward fought in that. Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. It was funny because he actually stayed in my house for that, for that, uh, that time. I invite him to come and he stayed in my house, and everybody was like, "Don't you guys just fought?" I was like, "Yeah, man, it's a professional fight. I have nothing against the guy." Yeah, and he came, he and he fought, and it was a, uh, it was that, it was probably that was the rumors of of that. Okay, yeah, so when you fought, when you fought Eve Edwards, you had Marco Huas in your corner, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Eve Edwards had Bas Rutten in his corner then, didn't he? Yes. Hmm. And the three of you guys were all working out at the same gym at the same yeah. time. Yeah, it's like we like actually we are like friends. We're different friends. Uh, in our interview with Eve Edwards, he described Marco who I was picking him up, and he said uh, he was talking a mile a minute, asking questions to a guy that didn't speak English, and it did not stop him from talking to Marco who was the entire ride to the venue. <laughs> And Marco probably like like didn't even yeah. understand what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Marco Marco is like a quiet guy. He doesn't talk too much. Yeah. This is very quiet. Did you did you know the history between he and Hicks and Gracie? Were they ever 
what was the story between them? I had heard that that Hickson was challenged to fight uh, by Marco several times. What do you know about this? Exactly what everybody knows. Like they are, uh, it's the whole jiu-jitsu against Valitudo. Marco who was, was the, the Valitudo guy. Hickson was the jiu-jitsu guy. It was always that um, that the back and forth challenge like several times the fight almost happened uh, pride actually tried to make it happen there was rumors one time that oh they all signed a contract it's gonna happen but of course never did happen um what's your opinion uh, of it uh they definitely didn't like each other it's not i don't even think okay let's put it this way i don't I cannot say that they don't like each other. I think it's just the system put them against each other. You know, I don't think it's personal. Personal. I don't think they even never thought. They never, like, spoke to each other, in my opinion. Pedro Hizzo told us that Marco challenged him three times. He did. He did, but not like just like online or you know nothing like kind of face to face uh maybe maybe in pride they have kind of like maybe kind of like got into you know uh like face to face kind of but i don't re- i don't remember pretty much so with Hicks and Gracie all of my jujitsu heroes all mm-hmm. of them, my heroes, guys that I admire, mm-hmm. all say that he is the best. But when you look at his body of work in MMA, like yeah. I, I, if I compare his work to Henzo or Hoist, I, I would say Hoist was a better finisher. You know, Henzo was definitely more aggressive. Mm-hmm. I agree. Where, where, where do you where do you fall in that? Um, I never have. The opportunity to train with Hickson, I I ask, I try a million times. Um, I I did heard from very very good jujitsu guys that when they train against Hickson, they felt like they are white belt. Yes. Okay. Yeah. From now one legitimate, from, like, legitimate from, people. Yes, like, and we talk about the best ones. Best of the best. The best ones. Arona, okay. Sperry. Yes. yes. This is not. This is not making up. This is the truth. But do I agree with you that his performance on the MMA was not that great? I do also. And I you do. can't. Po- you can't point to a single fight where you're like, that's the greatest fighter in the world. You can't. Yes. You can't do it. You can't do it. Yes. No. Maybe on the mat. But yes. The mat in the ring are two different. I have. I have no doubt that Hickson on his prime, he could fight if he was able to fight any person on this planet, included Marco Huas. And if he can, if he was able to take him down, and get close, the fight is over. Yeah. yeah. But. Was thing changed a lot from you know back in the days to now. 
back in you know, like maybe these days he go against somebody that was not even it was not gonna be able to even put the guy on the ground. If he don't put the guy on the ground, he's nobody. And is like in I I also and this is listen this is just me thirsty for knowledge. This is mm-hmm. nothing other to do other than man, please I need to know. Like mm-hmm. with his top game, obviously very solid, but how was his bottom game? Like if you've got Mark Schultz, he shows up, you know, at Mark Schultz's practice. You know, Mark obviously an Olympic gold medalist. In 40 minutes, he was able to get two submissions. That's it. In mm-hmm. in 40 minutes, so one submission every 20 minutes. So was it the back end that had issues? Was it just the strength of Mark Schultz? It's just, dude, there's so many questions. And it's just, you know, my heroes say he's the best. I got to believe it. Hickson mm-hmm. um, also is very um, smart guy in terms of saving if he's feeling that that you know his opponent is stronger than him he kind of like patient to the point that okay let me drag his energy out and get him later so um, but I heard from other people that he can play he, he can he can do well if he's back on the ground and he can do well all over. And then kind of like when you think that you don't, you're doing well, you're not really doing well. He's, he, you know, he gets something like when you play chess, awesome. Against, awesome. Yeah. You know, when you play chess against the champion <laughs> that you, you get one or two pieces and like, Oh, I'm getting this guy. And then <laughs> like checkmate. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I, I think that the biggest weakness of the American wrestler, and it's a huge one, they don't like to accept certain positions. And yes. the jujitsu yes. player, and they use strength rather than technique to where the jujitsu yeah. player accepts the position. They use technique more than strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, Hickson was my hero when I started. Is gonna steal my hero to the end, you know. Uh, I think he did what I think what he did was pretty solid, very good for where we are right now. Everybody has a little uh, contribution for that, and I think he, he has a lot, you know. He really and, limited who he gave black belts to as well. Like he mm-hmm. made sure that if he was going to put his name on somebody, that they yeah. were they were worthy of it. So his his black belt list is very short. Yes, yes. I I heard that he's been recording everything that he knows to leave to leave to the planet. So let's see. Uh, he's also he recorded the Mark Schultz grappling match. Um he's been recording everything, all the a lot of Gracie and action stuff that never made it to the light of day. He still mm-hmm. has on tape. I would, man, I would love to see some of that stuff. I really would. Yes. Uh, I can I can tell you that uh, you maybe will because they are, they are rumors of, not rumors, it is a script already there for a movie on his life and that kind of like doc, doc, documentary kind of like movie into fresh movie. 
kind of like a movie with you know kind of like a real image from from the past so um that is is uh maybe gonna happen yeah good good let's talk about your uc debut uc 20 may 7th 1999 laverne clark joey this is a midwest all-star like i've seen laverne clark fight maybe 15 times live Mm. that guy hits like a brick truck oh he's a stud yeah i know (laughs) that was and it was a heartbreaker. Was it was it a heel hook you were going for or straight angle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, walk us through it. Walk oh, us through the fight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Again, guys, what I'm gonna say right now, I you know, it's nothing for me to make, you know, make up. I it's like I lost, I lost the first fight, and that that's it. Okay, but I what happened is was back in that time, UFC was trying to get back to cable to pay-per-view and everything. So they didn't want to show too much blood. Blood. I that okay. I will absolutely vouch for that because I remember this being a conversation around this time. Go ahead. So anyway, so he threw a punch and the the velcro of the the velcro caught me. So when he threw that punch, I got tiny little cut why in my forehead was to say not even an inch not deep right after that i went for an, an, an eba i was i have him on an eba if you watch that fight again you're gonna see him tapping in my back yeah okay and then um what his name um the referee, the Brazilian. Mizugaki. Ma- yeah, Mario Yamazaki. Mario Yamazaki. He stopped the fight because, of course, if you guys ever in your life got any caught in your, in your forehead and you put yourself Bleeds upside down, then bleeds like crazy. Okay. So they stopped the fight and then the, um, I forgot his name, the owner. The UFC on that time. Um, uh, well, it was uh, UFC 20 Sussman, Bob Myrowitz. Yes, yes. Bob came to me and say, I was on the side. He said, Fabiano, I'm going to have to stop this fight. I can't, get, I can't have you go back in because I can't have that much blood on TV. He said, I promise you, I bring you guys back, but please help me out here. Don't make this a big deal. I have to stop this fight. I say. What else? Even if I say, even if I say no, it's all, yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then after, on the press conference, Laverne came in the wheelchair. He could even walk. And then he's like, "Yeah, he he did destroy it." Yeah, he said it in a post fight press conference. It was real, like in a real small room at that point. Yeah. And, and exactly, as I was not big as, as today, you know. So, and then the, actually, we uh, end up getting you know back in the ring together again. So, and then I, I was able to get him um, an armbar upside down. Mario again was the referee. You know, he's he's also Japanese Brazilian, like yes. yourself. Yes, 
I figured you guys would at least ride together on these. <laughs> I we we uh, actually when I fought in Pride, actually he he was uh, he, he walked with me on Pride at that cool. time. Me, him, my my dad, like he was there already. He uh, he helped me a little bit, but um, I just uh, we went kind of like a little bit apart after the fight that he stopped. <laughs> I didn't like too much the idea. But um, nothing personal. It was just like I, I thought it was a bad call. But Right, of course. Frank Trigg, you talked about that. That is your next fight. You were out there training somebody else. You end up fighting Frank Trigg instead. Frank, um, I knew it that, you know, again, he was 20 pounds over me on that time. Um, I, former, actually, your former teammate, too, from Raw. Yes. His former yeah, teammate. we trained before, so I knew what he was able to uh, you know way stronger than me uh and i i was not training i was not kind of like physically ready for that fight so i walk in and i did pa 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 oh shit nothing else <laughs> so i went straight try guy my amba triangle amba triangle amba triangle didn't got it and that's it i was like okay i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> fair enough I'm Fair done. enough. Um, somebody that I believe belongs in the UFC Hall of Fame is your next opponent, UFC 24, Dave Manet, March 10th, 2000. Dave Manet, oh, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, I think he's got about 40 fights at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Manet, it is definitely, uh, it's so funny because you say that because I fought him and we went on distance. And I don't know if I ever watched that fight. He kind of like got some damage. I I walk out clean. Um, and he also uh, almost 20 pounds over me because I that time I was uh, fighting on 170 pounds, but I was 178 pounds walking in 178. So I was dropping eight pounds to make the weight. They dropped. Dave was cutting heavy. Dave was cutting 195. Heavy. Yeah, 195. I, 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 I would at this point, in terms of versatility and intelligence, he might be the most advanced American fighter living at this point. Mm -hmm. I agree. And then again, I got a phone call from John Pereri after the fight that night. Not after the fight. Sorry, sorry, sorry. My bad. My bad. It was not after the fight. After Dave Menet won the tournament. And quite after he won the tournament in quite that he beat Matt Hughes, he beat Barclav, uh, yeah, he, he fought yeah. Barclav. He was supposed yeah. to be given a title belt made of gold. Mm -hmm. uh, in our Dave Manet interview, he talked about putting it in storage at a bank for years and years. He is, you know, he's going to go by his house. He goes to the store and they said, dude, this is tin. This is not gold. <laughs> That part, that part, that part, I don't know. But you know, the, what I know, what I know is that he did beat, you know, very good guys. Oh, dude, Barclay is a tournament. stud. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, and then John John Pereira called me. Then the day that you know, the next day, he said, "Fabiano, did you see what Dave did?" And then I'm like, "Yes." He say, "I just want to let you know that." You are a very good fighter, man. Don't put yourself down because you lost for him, because you lost for one of the best fighters yeah. on the planet. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, thank you. Make me feel better. <laughs> if Bustamante took the belt from him. Yeah. 
Yeah, but from my opinion, also one one of the best fighters ever, in my opinion. Hey, dude, no I, doubt I, about it. We, yeah, we just dropped his Everybody episode. asking me yeah. who is the middleweight. Goat? Like, I always bring his name because I still don't know why he stopped fighting because he stopped, in my opinion, too early and without no reason, kind of like, you know, when he was on kind of like on, on pride of his career, he was... He was beating everybody up. Yeah. Um, King of the Cage, your original opponents, John Alessio, June 24, 2000. They pull in Danny Bennett instead. Joey, the California scene, King of the Cage, you were at a lot of these. Danny Bennett really came in with a lot of hype. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was at this one. Uh, John Awano got me some good seats for this one. And Danny Boy came in after two giant knockouts in uh, Super Brawl, where he had, he had a lot of hype, and it was kind of, kind of the last of the old school pure striker striker versus jujitsu guy. You know, yeah. not to say you didn't have some stand up, and he had a little grip, no. I guess, but not 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 the not on his not level. His level. Not, no, but, no, he was he, like a national no. national title holder for kickboxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but he had been head kicking people into unconsciousness, so. How is this one going to shake out? And Fabiano, he needs to get back on track if he wants to get back in UFC. And I think it took you, what, 49 oh, seconds to be uh, back on it? track. How do we yeah, do it, Fabian? It was, it was like uh, like that. I knew it that like he, he's not the only one. It was a couple of the fighters that I or either going to me getting knockout or them getting armbar. <laughs> and... Uh, and again, I was, you know, I succeed very, very, very well on the on the shooting. I got close to him. I was able to put him down, and from there it was just history. Like he, his, his ground game was definitely not on my level, as the same as my stand up was not on his level. Right. So it was just like, you know, that kind of like the fight that people were expecting to see, or either me getting knocked out or him getting submit. So. Luckily, that was my day. <laughs> I mean, but you're finishing people with just relative ease, though. Like, it was um, – listen, Fabiano, I'm not even going to lie to you. Everybody was like, come on, come on. And, like, the guys that you were going up against, he's not going to do that to me. He's not going to do that to me. Like, yeah. you fight, you fight uh, Takasi while he's in your corner, December 16, 2000, UFC 29. This is the time you were training with Mark Kerr out in Big Bear. So you had a really good camp. Uh, mm-hmm. You knocked him out in 224. The person I was referring to, he's not going to do this to me, is your opponent February 23rd, 2001, UFC 30, Phil Johns. Little giant. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him. He was, uh, we, we never have, you know, nothing, like nothing against the shadow. He, he was a very class classic guy um uh the 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 only the first and only fighter that i thought that was shorter than me <laughs> yeah so phil actually's got the record for being the shortest ufc fighter um oh yeah oh yeah yes. that's you he can't that, 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 that explain currently teaching gym gym class at a high school um the thing with phil johns is his camp, like he's from like a really, really small city in Illinois, like maybe 15,000 people there. Bob Long being his head trainer. If you get one person to the UFC 
Most gyms never experienced that. Bob Long got Derek Noble, Kenny Robertson, and Phil Johns. He's put three people, three people there. into the UFC. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, legit. That's how do you, how do you, okay, dude, this one hurt, man. How do you finish that Phil fight? Um, let me think. Flying um, armbar. Armbar. Flying armbar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't catching me like that. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. <laughs> so, so uh, you know the the fighters that I believe the fighters that came and fought against me and got caught in the armbar. The biggest, the bigger mistake of them, in my opinion, is that they they end up before on, on training preparation against me. They end up oh, let me train somebody and just like learn how to escape armbar. It's like I have a gift since the day one. Since the day one I walked into the jiu-jitsu mat, my gift was armbar. I was a black belt in armbar when I was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. That makes sense? Yep. So when people go, when the fighters used to come against wow. me and they train with somebody else to try to learn how to escape against armbar, they can escape against their armbar, not mine. <laughs> I'm in like a different level. So if they go ahead and train not to get themselves in there, it's different. That's probably like Dave Menet, all the guys that did it. They they study and they they not went to the mentality like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know. Like training how to escape armbar, escape armbar, and I'm gonna do well with him. No, like I'm not gonna let him even get close to get to my arm. And they do well. So, you know, like all the people that in you know for all this year they have chance to train with me before they know that I get armbar from all over the place. Doesn't matter what. I used to <laughs> got a little old, it's a little <laughs> slow, <laughs> but. Under under prime time, you know, uh, I think that's my uh, my opinion about that. You know, so when you go against somebody that's very gifted, very good in one position, don't try to even get that. Just avoid that because uh, you 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 unless that you get be able to train with somebody that as good as him, don't don't do it because they've been doing that the whole life. You know, can do that if the eye, I, the eye closed. So, was there any issues between you and Ricardo Almeida? No, no, never, 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 never that I know. At UFC <laughs> 32, June 29, 2001, you fight Cal Uno. Mm -hmm. You can see him cheering at the end. Mm hmm. Well, Kauno Uno was one of the biggest, in my opinion, biggest mistake in my life. Uh, I explained to you guys what happened on that. Um, so what happened that Kauno used to come and train with me. I used to, my gym used to be his camping training in the U.S. So I trained, I trained with him several times, several times. But I made a couple mistakes. One mistake was that uh, I used to fight 
welterweight and he used to fight lightweight. So he used to be 155 pounds. I used to be 178 pounds or what else. So the the whole time that I trained with him, I was heavier than him. And when I fought him, I dropped to fight him in 155. That was one of my first, uh, the first time that I fought on that weight division and I didn't do well. I, I, my body didn't do very well cutting that much weight. Um, I have migraines problem and then I dehydrate myself. I, I destroy myself into, but again. So when you dehydrate, they say the first to get rid of the water is your head, your brain, and it's also mm-hmm. the last to replenish. Mm-hmm. So there is an absolute art in cutting weight. Yeah, yeah. I I don't do well according uh, cutting weight. So I until I realized that I have two losses in the one fifty five, and then went back to one seven again because I prefer to fight somebody that's two hundred pounds drop into one hundred seventy, and then just me be 178 lose eight pounds that is you know is easy and yeah. walking without being sick then be 155 and very weak and and sick and um and on top of that on top of that i'm man enough to admit that i was too cocky i was i was too cocky at that time i thought that I was gonna destroy him i'm like how we like because on training i used to I used to catch him anything that I want. Like submit him, oh, I want to get him an armbar, get him an armbar, get him choke, what else I want. And and to the point I'm like, are, are you serious? Like, are you gonna fight me? So mentally I was too cocky. And um and I learned my lesson. <laughs> you were with the Oyama, Team Oyama at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but that's what it was uh, team punishment, pretty much. What was it like? Uh, you and Tito, you mm-hmm. were you partners in in uh, punishment athletics. Yeah, we built that together. Mm-hmm. We built that it? together, but I I I was more like uh, the business uh, part of I was I was putting together um, to the point that. Uh, to the end, I, I just walk out because it was his, you know, his brain and his idea. I just, I just, I was just putting together as as a business guy. Um, so I I realized that okay, it didn't work out. Uh, you deserve to have it. It's you know, it's your name, it's your name, your um, your brain. So that that, that was it, pretty much. Wagner Braga, how was your experience mm-hmm. with him? Uh, God, very good jujitsu guy. Uh, like, just could not, for some reason, didn't have chance to put his career together. Um, but yeah, that that was it. He was uh, helped me on my one of my gym in uh, Eagle Rock for a little while. Uh, teaching the time that I was fighting. So when I used to go to Big Bear and stay there, I, he was the, the one that was teaching my my uh, my students. It, at the uh, Hitman Fighting Promotions, November 9th, 2002, uh, Flavio Tricoli, was this the hit, was this at the time where Hitman had to submit 
fake results in order to get around the athletic commission? Um, like, like, uh, fake results, like, uh, like, 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 we're filming a movie. Mm-hmm. Like they would oh, have yes. to, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 They, okay. they would say, because athletic, again, we, we come to the time there was no law that the law was not established in that time, you know, commission, the athletic commission used to come in and event and say, are we going to shoot down? And like, by law, you guys should not do that. It's like, and who's, there's no law about that. So yeah, they, uh, they, we all figured out the way to kind of like go around that. And one of the, the way they used to do is that pretend there was a movie set. <laughs> oh, you know, it was, it was one of the ways, like up all the all, all the ways that people used to do to be able to to get everybody there and not get shot down by the commission. Let's talk about what took place backstage. Babalu Sobral was on the card. He was <laughs> fighting Chelsonen uh, in, in a match that he claims he won. Um, the script had Chelsonen winning, and. Um, just kind of chaos backstage. I think he won, to be honest with you. I was there. They had, he was looking for Paul Herrera backstage. Paul was hiding in a closet. Is there truth to that? Nah, no, nah, I don't think Paul needs to do that, to be honest with you. You know, Paul, Paul did have bad experience against, uh, in, in the UFC against, uh, what was his name? Um, Bob Was it Gary I, Goodrich? No, Goodrich. Thank you. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, but uh, Paul's pretty tough. Paul, Paul can handle himself. You don't need to hide in the closet. Definitely not. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe but... to avoid confrontation. <laughs> did you ever train with Babalu? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. He and T- I mean, you obviously were friends with Tito Ortiz, but he and Tito they never got along, and Babalu really wanted to fight him yeah what, what was your opinion on that um that, like actually that'd be a very good fight back in the days could be a very good fight um uh, because um i think uh babalu is definitely like better than 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 tito on the stand-up and uh on, on the ground be interesting. It's just um, you know, Tito Tito. Tito back in the days, you have a good cardio. You know, he knows how to use the case very well, use the elbow and the 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 wrestling the background that he has. So, be an interesting fight. Why do you think it never took place? Um, no idea. <laughs> no idea. Like. You know, like even if they are, uh, you know, uh, training partners for a little while, but Tito and Rampage also be interesting, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You guys were going to do an event April 29, 2006, XFC Rebirth, Ryan Cheno with and Tito Ortiz were the promoters. How come that event never took place? It was <laughs> UFC. UFC, buddy. UFC, UFC knows how to to put the strings to to make things very difficult. Um, like I, we actually was uh, one of the first 
the first uh, organization to get the license to uh, to to throw a event in Los Angeles. It was supposed to be the first legal event in Los Angeles, and we I I dealt with so many bullshit, so many like talking about power bullshit, power bullshit that it, you like wow. Are you so this. There? Joey, this is our segue into mentioning Armando Garcia's name. Okay. Yes. That's yes. It. You 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 stay you stay off. That was it. That that he was on the he was definitely on the payroll from USC. That was that was not even a joke. Wow. Was, he's he's currently head of security for Station Casinos. Here we go. So he's actually on the original that owner's payroll. I mean, anything stand out in regards to dealing with him that could make a good story? Yeah, I tell you, for example, um, back in back in the times, of course, you do the whole uh, medical exams for the fighters. So we did. We have the full, you know, full cards, everything. So now we 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 send it the main event. We send the medical exams to. Sacramento, I think, was in that time. And then they brain that they never got it. We never receive it. And then like, how we didn't receive it? We is tracking, signing paper that we send. It's here. You guys got it. No, we didn't get it. Without the, the medical exam, the, the whole event could shut down. It's not gonna happen because without the main event. If the main event doesn't happen, the show cannot happen. And then it was stuff like that. Like over and over and over. That to the point that we 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 decided to not not do it. We couldn't we could we couldn't make it happen. It was really bad. Wow. Yeah, Armando Garcia. Um Quite a controversial figure in mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah, he um, he definitely like hurt hurt a lot the the um, I say the growing up of several different uh, organizations that could be there to stop the monopoly of UFC. If I put it this yeah. way, yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that at all. Um, you also fought for Kaja in against uh, in Lockdown in Paradise against John Cox. Um, Kaja was he the original Octagon designer? In your yes. opinion, yes. How sure yes. are you of that? Uh well, sure. From the stories on that time, you know, from uh, from uh, from the whole the whole like break down the whole process um that uh art dave came to um kaja uh gym i think he has octagon in the gym something like that in took the design when the the ufc uh was planning to have event and change from uh, uh ring to octagon and the, the proof of that is that you know, like was a was that several times that um, that UFC back in the days 
when you when you try to throw an event that has octagon and UFCs to go ahead and 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 send the lawyers and shut the whole thing down because could use the octagon, they never did against Kaja. That's a point. Kaja used to have you know communication. Yeah. So what the UFC did was that they patented the use of the octagon and they would go after companies countrywide. This is like maybe 90, if I had 95 to 97. So there was, there was events in Chicago that received legal paperwork Mm -hmm. and Kaja's in her, Kaja's in her backyard. Like it's, they they know he's there. Kaja was doing one a month for years. Yes. Yeah, and never got shot down. Yeah, so, that's the best argument I've heard so far for that being legit. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've I, 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 I looked for video. I've looked for. Like I, I've I seen put, some posters, but I actually put my my I, I sign in on Kaja on that one. In my opinion, yeah. <laughs> Your move from Brazil. How difficult was it for you? Was there a reason? Uh, when did you know you had to leave? Well, very difficult because um, you know I'm not saying all all, but most of the fighters that came from Brazil they 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 come from uh, a very uh, tough um, growing up uh, or, or poor, um, uh, take you know. Uh, community and 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 uh, and stuff. Um, not not me. You know, I I came in. I have my nightclub. I have my own business. Before that, I have several business. Uh, I was okay. I still you know own my properties, everything back home. I just have a dream, and uh, I pursued my dream. I to come here and and um, two things that, that was to become UFC fighter and um, work in the movies. And after a couple of years, uh, my intention was just to come do that and go back. But it's it's just like when you uh, get used to to the system, um, it's hard to go back, you know, very hard to go back because things are different there. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, it's difficult to leave in Brazil, um, because the crime is pretty high, yeah. Compared to U.S. back in the day, we're getting <laughs> there now, day. man, bro. We are uh, we not too far from Brazil, man. Like it's it's crazy. Yeah. Because I I ask myself several times. I'm like, come on, I moved from Brazil to stay away and kind of like have my kids away from all this bullshit that is happening here now is is sad it's really sad because you know the us in my opinion is to be number one and it's not then it's it's a calculated um demolition is what this is it's a hundred percent it's calculated it's calculated it's i remember I remember when I arrived here that I was driving around and then I was like, oh my God, it's no homeless. It's no people bother you on on the light. You know, in, in Brazil, you if you stop on the light, it's guys doing tricks and it's guys 
try and clean your windows, you know, like all kind of vendors, all kind of, you know, shit all over, the, all over. And then I was like, my God, there's no homeless. It's like I, I could actually leave my car parking in front of my house with the windows open, with stuff inside, or even what about. And all that's gone, you know, like, and you start to see people get, you know, r- arms robbed here in Studio City. And I'm like, what? <laughs> well, you know? what happened they lost control really lost control and then people going to the mall and you know together and and, and rob uh, like you see it and the news and stuff that and then at the end of the day i'm like did, did they learn that from brazil <laughs> yeah yeah it's sad, it's sad. <laughs> they learned all this crime from brazil yeah, all you can do is have a, a positive mindset, positive hope. Let, let, let's see what we're wrapping up right now. Let, let me ask you a few more questions. Jason Farron, uh, UFC4, was he one of your students? Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. He was not at that time. He came after. He okay. became after. Yes. A great guy. Um, tragic. Um Fine story about his life, but uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find anything online. I know he had passed. Um, he, uh, you... yeah, he 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 committed suicide. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know, not the reason, but uh, very good guy. I'm telling you, good horn. Um, I is sometimes you can actually understand why, yeah, Chad Washburn. Um, Chad. When was Chad? Mike. Mike. Me too. Meto. Mm, don't. <laughs> yeah. You. I, I can tell you where this comes from. I go through mm-hmm. like old jujitsu. Like when I try to find like students, and you mm-hmm. got to remember, there's very little on you. There's, if I be honest, there's very little. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I go through old jujitsu records and I look for people's like gym associations. Uh-huh. And those are the two I was able to find Chad, obviously kind of like a, like if you're an MMA fan, you, you from the old days, you definitely know who he is, but no. So that's what I do. I try to go through the old jujitsu records ah, and just kind of piece you. it together. I was like, that way. Where you got that? Yeah, yeah man. That's I apologize. All right. Let me, let me close yeah. with this and you know what I'll, I'll close and Joey, if you got something, please. By all means, um, Eric Paulson. Did you ever work out with him? Uh, I did. I did. Um, uh, I did work out with him at uh, Danny Danny Nocento Gym. So Eric Paulson started doing privates with Hoyson Hickson in like back in the days, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven. Do you think politics stopped him from being a part of the Dirty Dozen? Most like. Most like. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I say yes. I say yes for sure. What was the like the pushback in regards to Eric? Um, again, he was um, like, you know, 
like I think they kind of like every time they see a potential of somebody be a problem, they push it back. Problem means the guy has skills, has potential. Not controlled. Yes. And it's not, okay. you know, and at the end of the day, it's not part of the family. So he got pushed back. Yeah. He he did have his skills very good on leg locks, you know, like um so again, that's my own opinion on that. Joey. Coming up in LA, I, I got to have a front row seat to a lot of your uh, career. And it was a uh, it was an honor. It was an honor to see such an athletic guy taking jujitsu to like the next level. We all got used to seeing Hoist where the premise was, even if you're not a super athlete, this stuff works. And you were kind mm-hmm. of the second generation coming in where, hey, no, this guy is a dynamite athlete on top of the skill. So it was a lot of fun to watch. The only thing I have that we didn't cover is uh, the Din Thomas fight, Victory in Vegas. That was the most interesting UFC I've ever been to because it was the first UFC where Vegas is finally making it legal. And it yeah. comes... Two and a half weeks after 9-11. Yes. Like if yeah. there was ever a reason for the for the company to throw in the towel and say, we'll try it again later. Oh no, no, fans, no, was that close? Yeah. That close. Yeah. But the fans still came out for you guys. You know, we were yeah. so we were so motivated to support you. We weren't gonna miss it. Yeah, it was uh was a little was a little sad also because um the whole time I was training, uh I was training without that 100% sure that the fight was going to happen. Right. It was, I was actually the opposite. Like, I was like, I'm training. Why am I training? This is not going to happen. Right. It's like, look like, you know, like the, the world, like, I'm sorry, but like that time, the impression that I have, is like the world is like one step to end. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Big Bear. We got phone calls from all over. My wife was calling me like, oh, you see, like, turn it up, you know, turn it on the TV. The, the end is the end of the world, you know, like, and then the the rumors of that the Vegas was going to be the next target. Right. So, yeah, it was, was, it was kind of like a little bit, I, I, again, don't brand that because like I lost, I didn't lose my fight because of that, but it was, was not that too much because of that, you know, the whole, the whole of not sure if that fight was going to happen or not for sure and then um interesting another another one too i was i i stand up the whole fight with him (laughs) it's like it's uh, it's like if i could go back in days like when that was like a big mistake again ego you know like that's the ego of jiu-jitsu guy learn stand up and try to prove that you can stand up right yeah so but (laughs) Um, I don't know if you remember, half of the crowd was bullying because they give to him. And I think if they have give the, the decision to me, also the other half was gonna boo about you know bullying about because <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was like I I um I, I couldn't I, I think if I have done what I know what to do the best, uh I could have done better against him. I was just trying to uh, stand up and fight him in his own game, and that was my by mistake. I pay for that's it. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being here with us. Um, we learned a lot 
you know, this isn't just us going over our notes. You, you brought a lot of stuff to light that I'd never heard before, especially the Tito and Ken stuff. That was very uh, interesting. Yeah. UFC three. We yes, got Harold UFC Howard. three. We got, That's we right. got somebody back in my opinion, the Harold Howard one. Okay. Fastest yes. finish in UFC history. <laughs> I, I like the message for everybody is like, don't actually believe what you see on TV. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because sometimes I see some of the, some of the, my, my youngest uh, fighters, you know, like in some young uh, people that is, uh, I say younger be, um, uh, lovers of the sport. I'm like, Oh, you see these guys really hate each other. I'm like, mm, don't be so sure about that. <laughs> you know, the whole McGregor, you know, the whole, the whole thing. I'm like, don't be so sure about, you know, is like I say, it's like they're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. You know, if they do hate each other, they're gonna see each other on the street and gonna fight. You know, that's when you hate each other. Right, right. But, yeah. <laughs> but if it's it's a show time, it's a show time. So you know, I'm not saying that not everybody doing that. Like some people do, maybe don't like each other for sure. But yeah, show show time. <laughs> yeah. Fabiano, absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, we've Thank been trying to piece class. this together for a minute. Man, fantastic. Great interview. Thank you, sir. Anytime. Anytime. Joey Venti. All right. He came through with another one, buddy. Another one. Another Cashing California in favors guy. all over town. Okay. So here, we, we got to get back out to the East Coast of Canada. Um, if you've heard this, you've already got Natal. I think we're going to have Natal back with Draculino going through his UFC career. Little side note, um, Fabiani had talked about like the, the mental issues that, that uh, Belfort would go through. Um, for both of his fights in England, they sent Draculino with them like as like a, like a, a mind mechanic. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting stuff, man. That's good. As UFC three, we got a Brazilian on record saying Harold Howard deserve. Yo, he got the win. <laughs> That's right. We'll take it. I've been fishing for that for a long time. Okay, so Tito and Ken didn't really hate each other. And hang on, this is news. Vitor took steroids. I've never heard that before. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, like, share, subscribe. Joey, you're killing it, dude. Honestly, you're, you're really helping out. Let's also, big shout out, Tyson Green, our, Tyson. our uh, resident welder. Bringing it home, man. All right. See you next one. Check out the full interview on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms.